0: Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, um, episode 19, I believe. Uh, sorry for the delay. Uh, I think at this point it's uh, pretty much an episode every three weeks. Uh, I was uh, in Bogota, Colombia last week um, helping my wife um, photograph a wedding, and uh, so it was uh, it was an interesting trip. I enjoyed it, but uh, but I'm back now and uh, eager to get back to work. Um... So let's see So we got this episode and then probably the next episode Or maybe the one after that I haven't yet decided Um, uh, We're going to have uh, a guest on the show It's going to be very exciting Uh, He's uh, kind of a big name But uh, that's all I'll say So uh, you know uh, Stay tuned for that I could not have been more vague just now I didn't give a date I didn't say who it was And then I told you to stay tuned I'm sorry Okay anyway yeah, I should delete that but I'm not going to um all right, so today we are going to talk about uh, Avatar. Um, I realize that it's about, you know, it came out about six weeks ago. Uh, so I'm not exactly, uh, you know, at the forefront of uh, film criticism here, but uh, I, I saw it probably about three weeks um, after it came out. And uh, at this point, it's been number one at the box office six, six weeks in a row. Um, a lot of people are saying that it's going to beat the record held by uh, previous uh, James Cameron film Titanic, uh, and it will be the highest-grossing movie of all time. Um, I wasn't I, I wasn't really going to address this, but I do want to say um, anytime someone talks about oh this movie's made so much money, it's it's one of the top-grossing movies of all time. Go to a website called boxofficemojo.com, All right, and then look up. Uh, the highest-grossing movies of all time, there's, an, there's a button you can push uh, so that you can see the chart adjusted for inflation. Now, of course, uh, for those that don't know what that means, and I imagine probably most people do, but just in case, um, of course, movie prices are... Uh, they're more now than they've ever been. So, of course, if a movie makes, you know, a certain amount of money now... Uh, and and then let's say a movie 50 years ago made that same amount of money, technically speaking, the older film has actually made more money because it achieved that, that level with lower ticket prices. So um, Box Office Mojo will um, adjust for inflation, and uh, when you do that... ...you know, the chart all of a sudden changes completely around... ...and the top ten becomes something that people would never have, have thought. Uh, right now, uh, number one at the box office of all time... ...adjusted for inflation, is Gone with the Wind. Um, which, the, that film is now 71 years old. So, uh, I mean, and, and it'll actually tell you how much money it made at the time... ...and then, in today's terms, what that means and uh, gone with the wind it's probably going to be number 1 uh, i'd say probably forever um it's it's astounding the numbers that that film did um and so an avatar adjusted for inflation is like in the is like around tw- like 26 or 27 i'm sure before it's through it'll probably bump up a couple of spots but uh yeah it is far from being the actual uh number 1 now it may sound like i have uh, kind of an axe to grind when it comes to Avatar, and uh, you're right, I do. Um, I saw it, uh, as I mentioned, uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, a friend of mine, a uh, blogger for the show, um, said that... Uh, or blogger for the website, uh, I should have said. Um, he said that it was his favorite movie of the year. And then the film just won the Golden Globe for Best Picture and Best Director for James Cameron. Um, and it's made all this money, and just, you know, people are just absolutely astounded by it. Um, I went to see it, and admittedly, uh, when I was younger, and maybe there's still kind of a strain of this now, um, I was something of a contrarian. If, if a film did really well, I sometimes would go in kind of not wanting to like it, because, of course, you always want to, you know, a person always wants to think that they really know what's going on uh and that uh that everyone else is dumb but I'm smart look how awesome I am um now I've tried to uh as I've gotten older I've tried to get rid of that um as evidenced by you know my favorite film of all time Citizen Kane which is one of the most unorig- uh, unoriginal choices that a person can pick for their favorite film um you know, and I went to school with plenty of people who talked about you know the idea that oh well they can see they could see through Citizen Kane they can you know the movie's not that good come on now um, and so uh, so I've tried to get rid of my uh, contrarianism and uh, but I think there might still be uh, some uh, a remnant of it um, and so I, I went into Avatar with, with trepidation because. Um, you know, everybody had talked about how gorgeous it was to look at and the, and the wonderful use of 3D and all the new technology and, and stuff like that. Um, but then a lot of those same reviews talked about how bad the script was. And I remember thinking, like, well, why is it... I mean, I understand that film is a visual medium. So, you know, I understand. And, and if it is really an amazing film visually, um, then people can ignore the script. Um, but it made me wonder, like, just how much are they ignoring? Because I know that James Cameron can be, uh, a cheesy writer. Um, you know, if you go, let's go back to Titanic, uh, the film won 11 Academy Awards, but it should be not, it should be noted that it was not even nominated for screenplay. Because I think everybody acknowledged that, like, oh, wow, this this spectacle is really amazing. Uh, Maybe if I had my ears shut, it would be much better, because I can't stand to listen to this dialogue. Um... So I went in uh I I was willing to be dazzled. I was I was kind of I was okay with that. I was excited for 3D. I haven't seen an, a 3D movie uh in my life. I mean I you know, I see uh you know, the Bug's Life 3D spectacular at Disneyland, but uh oddly enough it doesn't work too well for me uh, cuz I wear glasses. Um and so I was so I was reluctant to, you know, 3D seemed like a gimmick to me. And so I was reluctant to uh, to go see a film, but everyone said, "Well, the use of 3D in this film is so amazing, you know, you got to see it in 3D." So I said, "Okay, well," so I went, and sure enough, uh, the film visually looks really beautiful. Um, the thing that I would venture to say I applaud James Cameron for the most is his use of 3D, because it is it's subtle, it's very, it doesn't necessarily call attention to itself. Um, it does seem it, it's not 3D for its own sake, you know, where, uh, there's an old, uh, SCTV sketch where John Candy hosts, you know, 3D theater. And, uh, at any given moment, he will pick something up and thrust it towards the camera. Um, you know, that was kind of the old, the old way with 3D is they needed to justify the fact that they were doing it in 3D. And so they would have something, uh, come right out at you. And, uh, Cameron, uh, viewed it uh, as kind of an immersive experience rather than simply like, look at this sword, you know, um, he just wanted you to make you feel like you were even more in this world, um, than, than you would be, uh, with a 2D experience. So, uh, so his use of 3D is very subtle and I really, uh, applaud him for that because when you, when you do revolutionize, uh, technology, uh, there's got to be a temptation to really overplay it and really call attention to it. And when it comes to 3D, he doesn't do that. And, uh, and so I you know, I would recommend that uh, if you see it in the theater, buy, go see it in 3D. That's, that's the way to do it. Um, so on that front, I highly recommend it, and I really respect what he did. Uh, now, as far as the film itself, um, I was thinking the other day, uh, okay, so uh, I went to a church in Chicago, and I was part of their uh, their drama group. Uh, every week, they would do uh, a little sketch, um, and I was a part of it. Uh, and I, you know, you'd uh, we'd write them, we'd direct them, we'd act in them. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And the the group, the name of it was Parable, um, because the idea is that these sketches were, you know, drama with a point. Um, and as anybody who has heard me talk about Christian art, uh, in the past knows, uh, I, I feel like, um, I feel like anytime you, uh, are trying to make art, you know, with a very specific purpose and you want to, uh, make a point, um, the, the temptation is to have the point overwhelm, uh, the art itself. And so, um, in the group, you know, there was always that, uh, that temptation that's like all right well this is the sermon that we have to work with and so we have to make sure that this uh, sketch uh, relates to the sermon so we should we make it more overt or should we kind of hide it a little bit and uh, and my vote is always to uh, hide it a little bit Uh, you know make people work for it kind of think you know have it relate to the sermon in kind of an abstract uh, way and uh, and I found that to be by far the most rewarding artistically. And I wound up, uh, you know, I was I was very proud with a lot uh, of a lot of the work that I did uh, in in that group. And uh, and I liked uh, the group's mentality because for, to them it was all about uh, making, you know, good uh, putting on good drama as opposed to just like, well, this is a supplement to the sermon, so let's just let that dictate every single thing that we do. Um, I realized that I kind of almost made the sermons sound uh, bad and obvious. They they weren't. I actually really liked really liked them. But uh, but the reason that I bring it up is that um, I've been very vocal about uh, Christian art on this show and my other show, uh, Battleship Pretension, available every Monday. I don't know why I did that. Everybody who listens to this probably listens to the other one. Um, so I've been very vocal about. Uh, Bad Christian art And how it is just often It is so obvious in what it's trying to do Um, And it's usually Very simplistic uh, Because it feels like it has uh, A point to get across And so it'll you know The subtlety and nuance Will usually take a back seat If not just kicked out of the car completely Um, So I've been very vocal About that but I realized that if I'm going to do that for Christian films, I need to do that for secular films as well. I don't necessarily like to use the word secular, so I'll just say non-Christian, just regular Hollywood films or whatever. Um, you know, because I feel like there are some. There's a tendency uh, amongst uh, uh, artists who happen to be Christian to be really critical of Christian art, just almost because they're they're more frustrated. Uh, Because, you know, uh, the, you know, Christian artists or filmmakers or whatever, uh, because it's just like, oh, don't you see you're hurting both communities, the artistic and the Christian. Um, And so I feel like they might be more inclined to really uh, tear into Christian film and Christian music. And don't get me wrong. I'm right there with them. But those same people might be willing, might be more willing to give bad secular art a pass, a pass. And so. Um you know, and so we so now we come to Avatar, all right, now Avatar, much like any uh, Christian film, it has a point of view. It has a message it wants to get across. Um, and it uh, you know, and it kind of it kind of does it in a parable kind of way, where it's telling a story that's this, but it's actually about our times and it's, and it can apply to us and, and that sort of thing. Um, the problem with Avatar, um is that it's bad is that the script is bad, the parable aspect is bad, the analogy is bad everything is is incredibly simplistic and and you know Cameron clearly just threw a lot of money at the problem and uh and took his his visual expertise and i do i don't say that lightly he has revolutionized modern filmmaking special effects, I'd say this is the third time. Uh, The first time was probably The Abyss. Uh, He did it a lot with Aliens. Let's say four times. Okay, Aliens, The Abyss, Terminator 2, and now Avatar. I'll throw Titanic in there, although I don't think he was necessarily breaking new ground so much as just really, uh, you know, it was the height of special effects at the time. But it's just, he... You know, he is a, a visual uh, wizard. I mean, he's a, he's a special effects master. He knows how to use them f- uh, for maximum uh, effect. But as I said before, as a writer, he's not the best. And uh, and I think he was just so... He put so much into creating uh, the, the alien world in Avatar... That it's like... I, don't get me wrong, it, it shows. You can see every penny on the screen... But it's like maybe take a few weeks, go back into the script and and help yourself out. But um, as anyone who who watched his his speech at the Golden Globes uh, will realize, he really, really takes uh, the message of the film seriously, uh, so much so that uh, that I think, you know, he kind of falls into that true believer uh, concept that one would say uh, a lot of Christian films do or uh, Christian filmmakers do um, they so believe the message that they 're putting out there, and they so badly want people to believe it and and accept it and they don't want them to they don 't want any possibility of of their audience missing the message and so everything is so obvious and so black and white that uh that ultimately if you're you know i I realize that it might be weird for me to say well this is a, this film is a a huge blockbuster, it's, uh, it's a sci-fi fantasy film, it takes place on another planet, but where's the subtlety, you know, it's, it, some would say it's weird for me to, to ask for that kind of thing, but, uh, but it's not unheard of, uh, in sci-fi especially, uh, to have really morally complex and nuanced uh, themes. And so uh so we'll get into it. I've talking I've been talking for over 15 minutes now, so I want to uh really get into kind of some of my some of my issues with Avatar. And what I'm going to say, you know, I I'm going to be talking about the themes of the film because very few other people are. So many people are talking about the way it looks, and admittedly, it looks great, but in service of what? In service of a crappy story told crappily. Um and i'm sorry for being so cut and dry about it but the more i think about it the more angry i am that this guy he clearly had by this guy i mean james cameron he had so he had all the resources at his disposal so much money and he put so and he put so much of it and and the film is getting so much money there's talk of sequels and uh and the story you know, if he didn't have the visual aspect, everyone would be talking about how terrible this movie is because the story is terrible. Let's move on. Here we go. By moving on, I mean delve further because I'm going to be on this for a while. Um, so, uh, so basically, the story is uh, it's in the future. Uh, there's a planet called Pandora that uh, that humans, uh, I would say specifically Americans, because that's the only accent you're going to hear. Um, uh, the Americans. Uh, are you know they're in spaceships you know kind of uh, circling Pandora and they have by the time the film starts they've already kind of developed a relationship with the indigenous uh species uh, on Pandora uh, called the navi and the navi are very uh in tune with the nature of pandora uh they're very peaceful technology's not a huge thing for them everything is very it's all everything's very organic. They actually have these, uh, you know, uh, they have these long ponytails, and actually in the ponytail are these uh, weird uh, tubes that are that are uh, you know biological, and there are all these tubes all over the planet, so that a, so that the, uh, a member of the Navi can actually plug themselves into the planet, uh, so they can commune with it or uh, whatever the case may be. So they're just very in tune, very peaceful. Um, they kind of write they ride horses or you know the the Pandora equivalent of horses um you know, and so it's it's very clear when you look at uh uh the the situation that all right, well, this is like a native American kind of thing um you know I'm not throwing anything new out there when I say that the story is very similar to that of uh dances with wolves all right um and then the americans are they've got a lot of technology they're very um aggressive towards um the navi they have no interest in learning anything the navi might have in fact they're only interested in teaching the navi things even though the navi clearly does, don't want to learn what the americans have to teach them uh so of course so already um uh the the analogy has been established that okay this is like Uh, You know, when the Europeans came over to North America, ran across all these Native Americans and uh, were just kind of hostile towards them uh, because in North America they they had something we want. Um, You know, another comparison would be uh, Pocahontas. And so, uh, but already, um, you know, the analogy is obvious, but the specifics of the analogy... Uh, you know, Cameron. The the neat the 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 good and bad thing about doing an analogy is you can tailor it to the specifics of the story you're telling, uh, and the so that's good because it it creates you know th- then it's just not a point for point kind of thing. So that's good because it gets us involved in these characters as characters as opposed to what they represent. But what's bad about that is you can just if you're making a comparison to real life and you're trying to make points about real life, well, in an analogy and in an parable uh, or allegory, um, you can you can just throw out the things that don't help you prove your point, and people might wind up because they know that it's uh, you know a comparison with our reality. Uh, people might wind up drawing the wrong conclusion about our reality. For example. Uh, As I mentioned, the Navi are uh, very peaceful people. There are various tribes of Navi all around Pandora. um, And they all live very peacefully. Um, And they don't hurt anybody. Um, You know, all they want to do is be left alone. Um, And, of course, in actuality, uh, you know, uh, Northern American, uh, you know, the various tribes of uh, Native Americans uh, in North America... They were always warring with each other. They were always fighting. They were not necessarily, you know... It's not like we brought along... I mean, we brought over all kinds of pestilence. Don't get me wrong. But uh, we did not bring over the concept of fighting. Um, they were already very aware of it. Uh, it was not uh, this, you know, paragon of, of peace. Um, and that's that's not that big of a deal to me. I understand you you want to make the, the native species seem very nice and, and loving um but then the you know i i've heard i've read some reviews i've heard some people talk about how along with the na'vi and pandora representing uh native americans and north america uh, respectively uh they also the whole situation also represents uh, american intervention in iraq um where you know in this case the 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 americans uh, in the case of uh, avatar the Americans come over because there's a, a mineral called unobtainium, which is a, a, a phrase that did not originate with uh, with James Cameron. Uh, it's a it's a, an oft used uh, sci fi phrase meant to rep. You know, it's this it's this term. It's like this fantastical element that uh, that can do, you know, whatever the the particular storyteller needs it to do. Um, so so the Americans are at Pandora for that. And they have to deal with the local people. And uh, much in the same way, you know, people say we go over to Iraq, we, we involve ourselves in the Middle East because we want oil. We need it, we want it, we don't care that they have it and we don't, we will take it from them. Um, and, uh, you know, and so like in the case of, of uh, our involvement on, in Iraq, you know, we've been there a while uh, and, uh, you know, we try and uh, set up aspects of our culture uh, within Iraq, um, to kind of, uh, win the hearts and minds of, of the people, um, is the theory. Um, and that exact phrase, the hearts and minds, or uh, winning the hearts and minds of the, the local people, uh, that is used actually in Pandora in reference to, uh, I'm sorry, in Avatar regarding the, the people of, of Pandora in which the military employ scientists and the Avatar program basically involves, uh, uh, hooking up scientists with these uh, Na'vi bodies so that they can infiltrate the culture and perhaps instill, you know, human values into it or at least learn more about uh, the Na'vi themselves. So it's, you know, so we get in there to like, win their hearts and minds. But of course, we're not interested in they themselves. We're interested in only what we can get from them uh, or more specifically take from them. Um, and so, uh, you know, much like, uh, as some people have said about, uh, the people of Iraq, Michael Moore, no- most notably, um, you know, the Navi, uh, have, they, they fight against us because they Hey, we have no right to be over there. They fight against us and it's a noble fight and, uh, you know, uh, good for, good for them and bad for us. Um, you know, but once again, uh, if that is in fact if, if Cameron had that in mind, which I'm sure he did, um, you know, uh, again, it doesn't it doesn't all fit. Iraq was not a wonderful place before we got there. It was run by Saddam, who's run by Saddam, who's yeah, as if he's a CEO. Uh, it was led by Saddam Hussein, who was a very uh, tyrannical, uh, really horrible person. Um, I know a guy is uh, an acquaintance of mine named Graham Elwood. He's a comedian, and he's been over to Iraq, and he's actually, you know, and he's a, a very liberal guy. But I mean, he talks about touring the various palaces in Iraq and seeing, you know, uh, blood-stained empty swimming pools where, you know, Saddam Hussein and his sons would like, you know, torture people kind of for their own, uh, for their own amusement. I mean, it was it was a pretty terrible situation over there, Um, and so it certainly was not, it was not Pandora, you know, people look at, they look at Pandora, they look at the Na'vi, and they say, oh man, this is just like the Indians, this is just like us in Iraq, we just go in and just ruin these people's culture, well, again, Native Americans were often fighting with each other, Uh, Iraqis, uh, you know, uh, Iraq was in a bad situation, and now here's the thing, I'm not justifi- I'm not trying to justify our involvement in Iraq. I'm not trying to justify, uh, you know, the terrible things that were done to Native Americans. But what I'm saying is that was the situation. And if James Cameron had actually incorporated that aspect, perhaps had a tyrannical N- Na'vi ruler, or the Na'vi tribes were always fighting with each other, then it would actually go a long way to really make the situation more complex. Because... It asks the question, and it's a difficult question to answer. You know, um, does it? If if the if the culture that we're that the 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 Marines and the scientists and the Earthlings uh, that they're if the culture they're trying to exploit is already in a in a bad condi- in bad condition, does that justify our getting involved? ...and our own selfishness... ...does that justify it? Um, you know... that's ...there's no easy answer to that. Um, and that's the thing is... ...you know, Cameron had the opportunity... ...to really... ...I mean, really deal with some difficult... ...questions, you know... and he ...and I'm fine with him having a perspective... ...if he feels that, no, it doesn't justify that... ...by all means, that's fine... ...but the situation that he creates... ...in the film itself... Is so simple that no one, no one would ever say that that uh, that the the Earthlings are doing the right thing. They're clearly the villains, um, and the Navi are clearly the heroes. It's it's completely black and white, um, and it's and it's a shame because when you're when you're talking about things like this, complex world issues uh, and political issues, dealing with you know in which one culture is dealing with another. Um, Or more specifically one imperfect culture is dealing with another imperfect culture When you when you're dealing with these you really are dealing with complex stuff and the fact that he dealt with it In perhaps the most simplistic way is very frustrating to me personally Um, And this is where you know, this is where we get into the you know The comparison with Christian art is that, you know, James Cameron he wants us to be on the Navi's side and so he will do everything he can To make sure that we are He, I think it comes from Quite frankly a, a certain lack of trust Of his audience He doesn't trust that we will come to the conclusion that he did um, On our own Seeing a complex situation He wants it to be so clear The, the side we're supposed to take That he winds up uh, Kind of just messing up his story, and most film, most Christian films do the same thing. They're so that you know they're so concerned with one, maybe even one person missing the point that they will they will get rid of any kind of nuance or any kind of complexity because they don't want anyone get anyone to get confused. They want they want conversions by the end of this thing, and James Cameron is no different. Uh, okay, looking at my notes here, uh, you know specifically um, there's a lot of specific things that I don't like, uh, about, about the story, although I almost feel like I don't want to, uh, I don't want to deal with it right now, but there are certain things, um, because, uh, I think, i will I skip that? No, I'll go with that. Uh, there's a scene where, um, the main character's name is Jake Sully, he's a marine who has, uh, lost the use of his legs, and his twin brother is a scientist who's a part of the Avatar program and has had an Avatar created specifically for him. And so, um, But he has died. And so the the scientists are like, well, let's get his brother in here and see what we can do. So Jake, you know, through his Avatar, he regains the use of his legs. He infiltrates the Na'vi and he starts to learn their ways. And he starts to realize, oh, you know what? These people are not the 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 savages uh that my superiors have have said they are and so so the main character uh, starts to really internalize the uh the values of the navi uh and one of the what there's a scene in which he and uh this woman uh navi woman that he uh is starting to fall in love with they they go out uh on a hunt and uh and the the main character's name is Jake. Uh, he, uh, I think, shoots like a bow and arrow and kills uh, an animal. And so he, he comes over, and uh, I don't remember the exact quote. Um, he, like, puts his hand on the animal as it dies, and he says, thank you so much. He says, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for... You know the like the sustenance you're going to provide for uh, for us, um, and so it's it's a really interesting scene. I actually at the, in the moment I, I really liked it, um, but it occurred to me that his character is basically taking something from from his natural environment. Uh, that he will be using, uh, which is really, when you get right down to it, not that different than what the humans are doing. Uh, now, of course, the attitude seems to be a little different, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those scenes where it, thr- it, it basically thrives on uh, a person, myself, in the moment... Uh, not really thinking about it, because he goes, oh, thank you so much for your sacrifice. The, The animal didn't sacrifice anything. He didn't, you know, he didn't walk into the middle of the village and slit his own throat and said, here you go, eat me. Jake and the Navi killed it. You know, you can thank it all you want, but that doesn't change the fact that it wasn't planning on dying for you. Um... And it's just it's one of those things where you think like, "Oh wow, okay, well, I guess you know whispering, you know maybe if the humans were whispering thank you to Pandora for the unobtainium, uh maybe the attitude would change, though probably not and it's and it's stuff like that, and also, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day in which i I was uh pontificating about the idea that that the navi I assume the Navi don't kill their young uh for population control." and as they are the dominant species on Pandora um and some would say oh no but they're just living in community really well they did kill that animal and i have to assume it's not the first so they are at the top of the food chain really uh they are uh the the dominant species uh one has to assume that they're going to continue to multiply there will be there, the na'vi species will get bigger and will thus require more resources um and so, how are they going to get them? Well, they're going to need to take them, and it's 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 just stuff like that. Where uh, I think I don't think Cameron even thought about that sort of thing. Just the you know uh, uh, the necessity, and he did, they just keep talking about the Earthlings' dying planet. They killed their mother because they had the audacity to to use things. Now, don't get me wrong; I'm not an anti environmental uh, kind of person. Uh, I understand that there is a lot of waste uh on this planet and uh specifically in this country uh you know there is a there is a native American ideal of like you know you use every part of the animal uh and just in general, there is so much waste uh of our resources in this in this country and on this planet in general that I understand that you know the the difference the the navi are they're going to their attitude towards using their resources is better but that doesn't change the fact that they are still seeking out and taking resources from their planet uh out of necessity which really is what the humans are doing in the film but it's all about their attitude and how much of you know how much uh how many resources they're using um so uh I'm not to, I'm not saying that the Cameron is completely wrong but it's just it's stuff like that it's just uh the really simple like well the everything about the Na'vi is right everything about the humans is wrong uh but when you look at it basically they're doing very very much the same thing and perhaps the humans are further along in the sense that just their uh development of technology uh, has required a lot more of them but they're Doing very similar things, um, and that's just a personal. That's that that's just a personal thing for me. That's not a huge flaw uh, with the film that scene, but uh, it is, I think, indicative of uh, a lack of uh, complex forethought on the part of uh, James Cameron. Uh, now, as far as the film, it's as far as you know, the film itself, not necessarily the themes, but as far as the characters go, um, the film is also very frustrating there. Um, Pretty much all the characters are two dimensional, uh, whether they're good guys or bad guys. You never really know what motivates people, uh, unless, of course, they're the bad guys, in which case you know that what motivates them is greed. Um, and with Jake Sully, you know he's he's kind of you know he's kind of wandering around in this life. He lost the use of his legs, and and he's not really. Uh, you know, and you don't really get an idea of what his philosophies were before he met the Navi. Um, you only know that he's starting to accept their, their culture and their philosophies, uh, which means there's not really that much of an arc for a character to believe, you know, to not really believe anything and then believe this. Well, that's, that's fine. If his not believe his lack of belief is an active choice, uh, you know if he's kind of like a skeptic uh and then he actually turns to belief that's one thing but the character is not active at all at the beginning of the film and uh which means that his arc is really more a function of just what Cameron wanted him to do as opposed to anything that he did organically uh and you know so it's it's stuff like and and it's just and there's so much there's so much potential in in the main character uh, to just really develop him, not necessarily in context of the story, but just develop him as, a, him as a character so that we believe the emotions he's feeling. I mean, he's lost the use of his legs, and then through the Avatar program, he can walk again. They do develop, I'd say, they, they do devote perhaps one, maybe one and a half scenes to that. The idea that, I mean, his legs are small and weak and atrophied, um, and then all of a sudden he's big and strong, and he can run again and jump uh, and you know, in the moment, they treat it as if like, "Oh man, this is cool. This is awesome," as opposed to, "Oh my gosh, I've been given a new lease. All of a sudden, I can do this again." You know, we're not given a, a, the deeper excitement that would come along that, that would come with that. Um, and then, you know, he, <laughs> when the film starts, he has lost his his twin brother, um, and so they, you know, they plug him into the Avatar program where his brother uh, would have been. And that's pretty much uh, the only... uh, They allow him one line of regret or anger uh, over his brother's death, and then they pretty much move on. He never talks about it again. And here's the thing. I've known a couple sets of twins in my life, and one thing that I've learned is that, you know, to an extent, the movies and the TV shows that show that, like, twins kind of have... They really just not necessarily live in their own world but there is just something going on between them that nobody else could possibly understand there is a link and a bond there that no one no one except another pair of twins can understand and the idea that this guy has lost his twin brother and is now doing exactly what his twin would do and the fact that there is no emotional response to it whatsoever is a total missed opportunity it would have been an opportunity it would have been a, an opportunity for us to really Feel something for the character to really, uh, to really flesh him out, but Cameron's not interested in that. He's interested in the twin brother only insofar as it gets this marine in the Avatar program. Once that's done, he doesn't care. There's not another mention of his brother at all, um, and it's just and that that bothers me immensely. Like if you're going to have the characters at least commit, at least al- at least allow the characters to. Uh, respond to the events uh, in a real way, um, and then, of course, uh, uh, Cameron's depiction of the military um, is frustrating to me. I'm not necessarily, you know, I, I, I'm I'm not in the military. I've no member of my f- uh, immediate family was in the military, uh, but you know, uh, but I do have tremendous respect for the military, and I don't think that uh, James Cameron. Does, um, I think he views them as very, uh, one or maybe two dimensional. Um, but certainly in this film, the military are, they're all evil. The main colonel is evil, but then also a lot of the little grunts are, are, are evil and they're tough. There, there's nothing specific about them except that they're just tough and unfeeling towards the Navi. They can't wait to, to kill these, these blue monkeys, as they say. Um, you know uh but that's but that's not it they're not even just tough to the last you know uh there's one guy i don't remember is uh, the name of the character but there's one guy who um he's just viewed as just this 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 mean you know tough as nails kind of guy uh who it, he's he's not even really given a, a real character. We just see him from time to time and we just sneer at him because of his his dismissal of the Navi as as uh you know, individuals and as an actual people. Um and then of course I think this is the guy who at the end there's a big climactic battle and he is uh in this big uh robot kind of thing. And uh and his robot is knocked over and a big uh rhinoceros triceratops uh I believe, uh, uh, friend of the show, Josh Long referred it, referred to it as the Deus Ex Mach, uh, Machinosaur, um, which is funny to me, uh, this, uh, this big beast, uh, so the guy gets knocked over in his robot, he can't leave, he can't leave, and then the, uh, uh, as this, uh, uh, creature, this huge lumbering creature, uh, runs towards him, he screams like a little girl right before it crushes his head. Um, and so, like, not—that's the thing—is—is is Cameron sets up the military as these straw men, just these guys who have no feelings. They don't, uh, you know, they don't care about anything except themselves and their own stupid beliefs. Uh, but he can't even carry that through to the last. He—I mean, he—it's like he they're They're only there for whatever he needs them to be, if he needs them to be these tough heavies that's fine, but when he needs a laugh because oh they're not so tough, look they scream right before they die, you know, like a person does um it's It's clearly supposed to be like a laugh, like we're supposed to be laughing at this guy's death now of course, I don't feel anything about his death because I don't know him, but it's just it's such an e everything about it is easy. everything about this film is easy, and it just it's so angry, it's so angering to me, um, you know, and here's another one, here's something else, here's here's uh, the last thing, and and I, I already talked about Dances with Wolves, I'm going to talk about it again along with some other films, um, the thing that, fa- one of the things that fascinates me is that, uh, as I mentioned, the character Jake, he infiltrates the Navi, he becomes accepted by them, and, uh, and what's interesting is, and Cameron clearly loves the Na'vi. He, oh, man, they understand things that we couldn't possibly. But for all his love of the Na'vi, why is it that it takes a human in Na'vi form to save them all? They can't get it together themselves. It takes a human to do it. Now, that that thinking uh, has... That's nothing new. That's been in a lot of movies, uh, usually uh, with racial uh, undertones. I would say overtones, actually, now that I think about it. Um, You know, I got a list here. Mississippi Burning, Blood Diamond, The Last Samurai, Dances with Wolves, and most recently The Blind Side, in which uh, you get various ethnicities. You know, you've got uh, got Japanese, you've got Africans, you've got, um, you know, Native Americans. Um, All of them, the the film like sell, you know, these films celebrate their culture um, and think like, oh, man, what a what a wonderful people. But when it comes time for these people to stand up for themselves, they can't do it by themselves. It takes, of course, the white person, the the audience surrogate to come in and take care of it for them. Um, and it's it is va- you know it's been a acu- film these films have been accused of a uh, vague and sometimes not so vague racism um, and Avatar kind of engages in that as well where it's like oh I love these I love this tribe of people granted they'll need me to help them because how could they how could anybody ever do something without a without a white liberal I'm sorry I just made it political I didn't mean to um, you know so just you know. So even in the midst of all of his love of the Na'vi... He still can't have them get it together themselves... Where it's just a clear-cut war between this uh, this group and this group. You know, it has to be told from our point of view... And admittedly, so that we are kind of put in the position of having to side with the Na'vi... Even though we're not one of them. But, you know, Jake doesn't become just another Na'vi warrior. He becomes the leader of the Na'vi. Why? if they're so great, then why does it take this guy to, to, you know, to lead them? It's very frustrating. Um, and then of course the dialogue is awful. It's ve- everything is very on the nose. Uh, that's, that's nothing new, uh, for, uh, for Cameron, especially Cameron in the last few years by few years, I guess I mean 15 because, uh, the last film he made, the last narrative film he made was Titanic. Um, you know, that, that's nothing new, but it's just, as I said, you know this is a film that's trying so desperately to be relevant to uh, to our time, so that a colonel, uh, the, the 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 colonel who's I'd say the primary antagonist, uh, he he's talking about the Navi and he's talking about uh, oh they're gathering together, they're going to attack us, we all know it, and then he says, well we will fight terror with terror. Now, of course, um. You know, I, it's, I guess they ran out of money because they couldn't then have the big sign over the over the colonel's head flashing uh, George W. Bush. Uh, they didn't have that. I guess they, yeah, I mean, you know, you got to put the money elsewhere, I guess. Uh, because that's clearly what it is. The character is supposed to be George W. Bush. He's supposed to be America. He's supposed to be, oh, the representative of our stupid war on terror uh, and stuff like that. Um, and it's just, th- do, he, do you know how I know that? Because the word terror was used. Twice in one sentence, um, it's just such obvious tripe. Um, everything that he, everything that he writes, every every time he deals with the allegory, he just deals with it so head on, so obviously. This is the the film is terrible. Avatar is terrible. I've actually now during the course of this podcast, I've talked myself into liking it less than I thought I did. Um, sure, it's a visual marvel. That's great. Who cares? You know, I just make an IMAX film, James Cameron, because and and save us the, you know, the proselytizing and, and save us. You know what? Actually, skip that. Never mind what I just said about the proselytizing. I don't care what message he has. Go right ahead. That doesn't matter. I may agree. I may disagree. That doesn't matter. The way he does it is so clunky and ham-fisted and ridiculous. He could be saying every things that I agree with completely. And I agree I do agree with some of the things that he's saying, but he could be he could be uh this could be like a politically middle ground uh pro-Christian uh there could be a character named Tyler Smith based on me that's awesome uh and it but it, but if he handled it this way, I would still be like, "Bah, this is awful." It's not about, you know. I, I, Ebert has a quote. It's not about how the. It's not what the film is about. It's how it's about it, and the way that he is about getting his message across is obvious and stupid and ridiculous. And it's. I, I did not anticipate getting this passionate. By the way, everybody, I'm sorry. Um, and the the companion film, I'm just going to briefly mention. It. I've talked about it on Battleship Pretension before, uh, and of course, it's it's. I mean, the the genre could not be more different. Uh, Avatar is, you know, a sci fi fantasy takes place in the future, and then the companion film, uh, which is Sp- uh, Steven Spielberg's Munich, you know, it takes place in our world, takes place in the past, uh, and it takes you know, it takes place uh, in the seventies uh, during the the Munich Massacre, where basically uh, uh, several uh, Israeli uh, Olympic athletes were kidnapped by a, a kind of a terrorist. group uh, section of uh, Palestinians and uh, were held for ransom and then through a series of uh, very unfortunate events uh, the Olympians were killed um, and then uh, the nation of Israel decided they wanted to uh, enact some justice on the Palestinians so they sent out you know these these groups because they thought okay I know we, we know who was responsible for these attacks Uh so we're going to go out and we will uh we will kill them. We will enact justice. That's what it's about. And so uh the film is based on that, but it's you know uh largely fictionalized. And uh and yeah, and so it's about just these group of just five guys who go out, they get a list from uh their government saying these are the guys responsible for uh You know, uh, responsible for the Munich uh, massacre of our people. Uh, So go out and kill them. And so they they do uh, very expertly because they believe that they're doing the right thing. And then as they see, you know, they start to see that these guys are just regular guys, like living out their lives. How could these guys be responsible for such a horrible thing? Uh, And then as they just keep getting more names of people that they need to kill, they start to wonder is this really the case anymore like are all these people responsible for what happened in munich or is the government merely just using our anger and frustration and grief and our sense of admittedly vengeance um are they just using that so that we can get rid of some of our enemies whether whether or not they are responsible um you know, is is this really just being used as a, a show of force, a show of might, uh, to illustrate that hey, don't mess with us because we'll we'll take out everybody whether they're responsible or not? Um, and so, you know, there's a, a a line in Munich. You know, I mean, in Avatar you get a, you get the line, "We will fight terror with terror." a Very obvious, over the top line. And then in Munich you get a line that is it's said very quietly. And yet, it is absolutely devastating. It says every civil is every civilization finds it necessary to negotiate compromises with its own values. And you know, now the the situation that I just described was very. It's very specific to the story, and and the the uh, the the main character's name's Abner. He's played by Eric Bana in a wonderful performance. Um, he starts to just really starts to really question what it is he's doing and why he's doing it is his country using him are they seeking justice or vengeance or what is it he doesn't even know anymore and it really starts to get to him um, and but what's fascinating is our characters not viewed as the good guys and the, pal- uh, uh, the the Israelis are not viewed as the good guys and the Palestinians the bad guys or vice versa it's not like uh, the Israelis, because now, oh, this is Swiss. This is changed from uh, justice to vengeance, um, because you don't know if it has or not. Um, you know, but let's say it did. Um, because it switched, it's not like our characters the villains, and our our, our protagonist is one of the villains, and the pa- Palestinians are our heroes. It's such a complex concept because when dealing with you know national affairs. Uh, you know, and war and violence, it's never simple, you know, y- you go back to, I mean, you go back to the Civil War, where everyone says, oh, well, it was just about slavery, and slavery, is wrong, yes, it is, but it was about, if you actually look at the specifics of the Civil War, it was about a great deal more than slavery, it was about specific political issues as well, World War II, Fighting, you know, fighting Nazis. Well, the Nazis are evil. Let's let's kill them. Absolutely. I uh, let's. Well, not 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 necessarily the killing, but certainly we need to stop them, however we can. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it, one of the questions that was asked, you know, when it came time to like try some of the lower level Nazis uh, as war criminals, like how much are they responsible for? Should they be sentenced to death if they're just a sergeant and they're just doing what any other sergeant would do, which is follow orders. It just, when you actually are dealing with these issues, the, you know, you will run into intellectual and moral complexities that, uh, that are almost impossible to figure out. Now I described the story of Munich and it's, it's obvious that we're also that the the comparison can be made with September 11th uh the US uh you know their war on terror and the eventual involvement in Iraq and Afghanistan and all that where we were you know a lot of innocent people were killed and then in and then we started out going after the people responsible and then it started to get bigger because well we don't want to i mean for whatever reason i don't know i mean a lot of people have different theories some of them cynical some of them not um but whatever the reason it got bigger than what it originally started at but does that necessarily make it wrong you know do we need to show for you know uh you know do a engage in a show of force to try and discourage other people from doing it and does that does that excuse us From perhaps going over You know Overboard with it um, You know The characters in Munich You know I mean They're I mean This is the nation of Israel And uh, <laughs> They had been uh, That Israelis uh and israelites had been wronged uh oh well just go back to biblical times you know and so it's just like well i'm tired you know in the uh, gold of in the in the film her, her attitude seems to be just a general like yeah i'm kind of tired of being kicked around so now we're going to show that we can kick people around and we're not going to be the world's victims anymore and so um so the story is just so complex it's not easy to say well these guys You know, and and the idea of you see the 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 Palestinians, you see, you know, one of them hug his daughter and you think, oh, well, he couldn't possibly be responsible for this horrible massacre. Yeah, he could just because he loves his daughter doesn't mean he doesn't hate somebody else. Um, You know, and then you see that our characters uh, are I keep saying our characters. I'm sorry, our protagonists, um, I would say our heroes. But are they heroes? You know? A good question our protagonists uh, You know they're They find themselves you know they Could be killing innocent people and they don't Know it and it's only natural for them To start to question their Own uh, superiors Not necessarily and say, oh well, clearly they're wrong because they don't know. Because in some, in a situation like this, you can't know. And f- and as I mentioned, uh, I believe last week, you know, I I kind of after a while, I kind of split with the Republican Party because I didn't like some of the things that George W. Bush did, but and I didn't like uh, you know some of the uh, war tactics that were used. Um, but I know plenty of people who say, hey, this is what was necessary. You know, we haven't been attacked since. There's probably been a lot of, atta- of uh, attacks that were prevented. You, there's no way to know, and I would agree with that. There's no way to know. I certainly have my opinion. They certainly have theirs. But and I would say neither of us are right, and maybe both of us are right. When dealing with these sorts of things, it is extreme. Something that I've found myself saying uh, in life is that extremes are easy. Uh, Saying that, oh, this is absolutely right all the time, or this is absolutely wrong all the time that's actually easy because then you don't have to worry about actually using your brain uh, to figure out that oh, maybe in this situation maybe it's not maybe it's not so simple, maybe it's not right um, and you look at the at Munich and you just see a film of moral complexity. That requires you to really think about where you stand. And it, what if you were in the main character's position, where would you stop? Would you stop? Would you have even started? Whereas you look at James Cameron's Avatar. And it's so simple. It's so easy. It does all the thinking for you. So you can just sit back and clap your hands at the pretty lights. And <laughs> I realize I've demonized the film perhaps more than I should. But... Just because it's a big, huge spectacle that's making millions, soon to be billions of dollars, in fact, it might already be in the billions. I don't know. Just because it's that, we can't let ourselves get distracted, all right? We require, you know, Christian films to be really great. Uh, They never are, but we require them to be, and we need to require that of our secular films as well. Um, Because, as we've discussed, Christian films will almost always uh, take their artistic cues from secular films. All right. And if there was a Christian film that was taking its artistic cue from avatar, granted, they certainly don't have the money to carry it through, but they, you know, there's not, there's no subtlety. There's no nuance. And why on earth would, uh, they ever get the impression that an audience wants subtlety and nuance. And so, yeah, uh, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of emails on this one. Uh, you know because there's a lot of people that love the film and uh that's fine go go right ahead and love it uh my opinion does not go down of uh my opinion view does not go down uh because you love it um i just have a lot of issues with it because in my in my view film is more than just a visual medium it's also about what it's in service of and you know for me it's always been character and story that gets me involved so um So yeah. uh, That said, I I might. I I think I would probably recommend seeing Avatar. I guess at the very least, so you can see what I'm talking about, and maybe you disagree. Who knows? And it is admittedly a visually interesting experience. Um, But uh, but yeah, I mean, I I, I guess I recommend it because I don't know. It is a cinematic. I'm I'm torn on it because it is definitely a big cinematic experience, but. I don't know, maybe I don't recommend it because, you know, all of that for what? So anyway, uh, so that's that's what I have to say about Avatar. Uh, Sorry, I really thought this episode was going to be like 40 minutes long. And uh, and then all of a sudden I uh, let me just uh, get down off my high horse here. Um, So, yeah, uh, there are a couple of blogs uh, about Avatar, um, one written by me. Uh, about uh, some of the issues uh, explored in Avatar, uh, and the fact that James Cameron has been exploring those issues uh, pretty much his entire career, um, and then one by uh, Josh Long, who was on the on the show a couple uh, a couple episodes ago, um, in which he discusses uh, the similar uh, the similarities and differences between Avatar and Star Wars. So uh, go to morethanonelesson.com dot com and uh, read those. Um, and, uh, there's also the, the forum you can, you know, hopefully, uh, this episode will spark discussion between, uh, me and you and perhaps, uh, you, uh, you know, you and, and other listeners. Um, you can go, you can find me at, uh, t- on Twitter. It's, uh, at more lessons. Um, that's the official Twitter of, uh, of the show. And, uh, I think that is it. So, um, you know, I'm, as I said, I'm sure that, uh, I've probably angered some people, um, but, uh, you know, that's fine. Let's uh, have a nice, respectful discussion, and, uh, yeah, I'll get you next time. Bye.